Well, the Gonzaga Bulldogs played a really good first half in an exhibition loss to Tennessee on Friday, but the defense really fell apart towards the end of the game. Today, we answer the big question. Are the Zags in trouble? You are Locked On Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is going on, y'all? Welcome to the Locked On Zags podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host and longtime Gonzaga podcaster, Andy Patton, here to give you daily reports through another season of Gonzaga Hoops. All right, today is Mailbag Monday. It is a slightly different Mailbag Monday than we typically do. I am thrilled to be joined today by Connor Hope. Connor Hope is a writer and podcaster with Heat Check College Basketball and the Heat Check Hangout podcast. Uh, he's here to help break down that exhibition game against Tennessee. Many of you saw, some of you did not see, but you saw the score, a 19-point loss for the Zags. We're going to talk about that, what it means, what it maybe doesn't mean. Connor, thank you so much for jumping on the show today. Yeah, I'm always happy to come on the show, Andy. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course, of course. We got a lot to talk about today. Uh, again, Zags lost by 19 points. It's hard for that not to be what you lead with, what you talk about. Uh, certainly it is an exhibition game the Zags technically have zero losses going into the season it's Halloween as you're listening to this most likely typically we don't see a lot of Gonzaga basketball or any Gonzaga basketball before Halloween so I think that is uh, obviously an important caveat uh, to note here but Connor before we get into some of the nitty-gritty details I'm kind of hoping for just like a, a little quick summary you mentioned on Twitter that you saw more good than bad uh, obviously there was a little bit of both in this game. Uh, could you give maybe a quick summary of, of maybe why Zags shouldn't Zags fans shouldn't be too concerned after this loss against Tennessee? Yeah. I mean, I think to start, right. Uh, Roger Bolton drew Timmy looked like Roger Bolton drew yeah. Timmy Bolton might be looked even better than he did last yeah. year. And last year he was a knockdown shooter. Like yep. he looks good and he looked ready mm -hmm. to take over that lead guard role. If mm -hmm. the Zags needed him to. Mm -hmm. um, obviously you want Nolan Hickman to be that guy, but if he's not, or if he struggles and late in games, you need Bolton to, to be that guy. He, mm -hmm. he looked the part that back cut that they ran out after the timeout yeah. where Hickman rolled to the basket and, and, and got the ball. Mm -hmm. Um, that pass by Roger Bolton was probably the pretty prettiest pass I've seen since Suggs. Like last mm -hmm. year, Nemhard was great at distributing the ball, sure. but I don't know if he ever made a pass that looked quite like that last mm -hmm. year. Um, Strother showed flashes. Yep. And and if he's going to be that second option that people think he could be, mm -hmm. um, he's going to need to show that in longer stretches. Yeah. But it's the first game. And, and mm -hmm. the younger players, the newer players, Malachi Smith looked good. Efton mm -hmm. Reed looked good in the limited run he got. Yep. Uh, Hickman looked solid. Like he, he mm -hmm. didn't look bad. He just, we're so used to Jalen Suggs and Andrew Nemhard that we want this essentially kind of, I mean, it's really kind of a red shirt sophomore year. He played yeah. last year um, and he played significant minutes, but like, this is the first time we're, re we're really seeing him take on a huge burden yeah. and uh, he looked like he could do it. Right. Mm -hmm. Especially in that first half looked pretty good. Salas is a work in progress, but we mm -hmm. saw all the tools on display. 
Dom Harris obviously looked a little shaky, but he's mm-hmm. only been practicing for full go for what two and a half weeks. Yeah, barely. That's yeah. <laughs> that's that's you know you, you like to see him out on the floor, mm-hmm. especially in that first half. Um, in that in that exhibition, and, and granted, yeah. he came in after Ben Gregg, but mm-hmm. I think part of that is just Ben Gregg's been practicing more yeah. and for longer. Yep. So I liked what I saw offensively. They looked like Gonzaga, right? Mm-hmm. Defensively. They had issues. Mm-hmm. It's going to work itself out, right? Yeah. You no longer have Chet Holmgren. You have to adjust to no longer having Chet Holmgren. Mm-hmm. But all the issues they have were fixable. Yeah. Well, let's, let's talk about that because I think that's a perfect kind of segue because, again, I, I think most people aren't concerned about Gonzaga's offense. Drew Timmy, like you said, he looked phenomenal. The spin moves were there. He, he's added to his bag. Rasir Bolton could easily be the second best offensive player, second best player, period on this team, uh, one of the best combo guards in the nation, like you said. And if he needs to be the point guard, I think he's going to be darn good in that role too if they need him to be. Uh, So I'm not worried about this team's offense. I doubt too many people are worried about this team's offense. But the defense was shaky, and certainly there are some significant caveats. I I don't think enough people are discussing the fact that nobody fouled out of this game. And when we talk about Gonzaga got – there was a little bit of a physicality issue. Yeah, and they're going to need to correct that. But it's a little bit easier to – absorb getting out physical when the other team couldn't foul out. And yes, Drew Timmy fouled out of this game in theory. And yes, that would impact both sides, but that's clearly a factor here. Regardless, you talked about how most of the defensive issues are fixable. Uh, We're not talking about issues where the players are unable to play good defense or unwilling, hopefully to play defense. Uh, It looked more like schematic stuff, potentially some communication things, things you might expect from a team that has only played together for a couple of weeks. Is that generally kind of what you saw from this team defensively? Yeah, I saw early on just a lot of communication issues on the perimeter, right? Mm-hmm. They, they were switching, but they weren't communicating the switches. There were a couple of times where one guy switched, the other guy took the man, and all mm-hmm. of a sudden you had, you know, Zakai Ziegler open for yeah. a three. Mm-hmm. Um, that turned into, I think, people starting to cheat, maybe mm-hmm. not wanting to switch, maybe wanting to get around the screen, yeah, and then losing the dribble drive contain. And so I think one fixing one fixes the other, mm-hmm. um, fixing that communication. That's all coachable. You can coach where you need to be. You can coach communication. You can coach yep. when you need to switch, when you don't switch. Um, but you can't coach buy-in really. Like you can kind of coach buy-in. You, mm-hmm. you can put an emphasis on defense, which I know Mark mm-hmm. Few is going to over the next week yep. and a half. Um, but you can't coach. Like if a player is just not going to play defense, mm-hmm. right? You can put emphasis on playing time through defense. They'll just leave. Yeah. Um, but you, you can't coach raw talent. Gonzaga has size. They have quickness. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you, and you can't coach kind of the effort on the defensive end. They, the players have to put in that effort. And it looked like they were. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the second issue is just they were taking a lot of chances that they could take last year yeah. that they can't take this year yep. unless Efton Reed's in, in the game. And I know there's mm-hmm. been a lot of talk this offseason about Efton Reed's <laughs> ability to protect the rim. Yep. I think we saw a couple of times where a guard drove to the basket. And while he didn't get the block... Mm-hmm. he he did enough to alter the shot and, and there was mm-hmm. one early on where i think they drove the baseline um he was actually on the wrong side of the ball mm-hmm. contesting that shot and still altered the shot enough to, to to force a miss and a rebound by gonzaga so i i like i like what i saw from the the players defensively and again defense is another thing that when you have a bunch of new players efton reed mm-hmm. malachi smith dom's just getting up to speed yeah um it, you have to really fit those pieces in where offense, like offense is not necessarily that all fa- offenses are the same, but individual talent 
can make up for being out of scheme on offense where it can't do the same thing on defense. Absolutely. And I think that was kind of the biggest thing that, that I saw at least defensively was just some miscommunication stuff and guys kind of adjusting to new roles. Efton Reed, obviously on a new team, also a bit of a new role in terms of what he's being asked to do defensively in this system, as opposed to the system at LSU. Drew Timmy now has to adjust his defensive game kind of more so to just what he was as a sophomore without Chet Holmgren on the court. Uh, Anton Watson is probably in a somewhat similar role, although I think he's going to be expected to play more defense around the rim, something that he's really good at playing defense away from the rim, but that's not necessarily an area of strength for him. So for me, a lot of it was just guys adjusting to having different roles defensively, and you wouldn't expect them to have perfected that in the first time that they're playing. Does that seem like a fairly reasonable assessment there? Yeah, exactly. And when you saw in the first half, there was a stretch of about, I think it was like three to four minutes Mm -hmm. where Gonzaga went to what kind of pseudo what we would consider their defensive lineup. Mm -hmm. Harris hadn't come into the game yet. They had Hickman out there, I think instead, but pretty close to it. They had Watson and Reed Mm -hmm. um, and Salas out there. And the issue there was they were getting stops. They just weren't moving the ball and and getting baskets, which you, that, that can also be coached. That, that can all is also a work in progress, but Mm -hmm. given how much they can score outside of those stretches, like having that defensive lineup where Mm -hmm. you saw it work when they fell back on it, I think gives a lot of uh, should give a lot of relief to fans who saw the entirety of the game and a Mm -hmm. a Tennessee team who moves the ball. Well, yeah, Um, they they are known for going on scoring roles, but it's not because of their ball movement It's because they can't Mm -hmm. make shots. A lot of the time Um, they just got hot. They moved the ball. Well, they knew how to attack They're experienced. um, And that was Mm -hmm. kind of the end of the story there. All right, well, Connor and I are going to come back in the second segment. We're going to get a little bit more granular specifically about the newcomers on this roster. We're going to talk more about Efton Reed and what he did, more about Malachi Smith, what he did, and, of course, the young sophomore guards who are expected to have a big role this season. Before we get there, though, I want to tell you all about Bet Online. College basketball is less than one week away. College football and the NFL are in the thick of their seasons, and the MLB playoffs is in full swing BetOnline.net is your number one source for all of your betting needs and sports information. From all the latest odds, contests, and player props, you name it. BetOnline remains the best spot for all the latest sports developments, including podcasts and reviews for all of the leagues this season. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering information needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino games. They even have lines for coaching changes across every major sport, so even in the offseason, you can get your fix. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. Bet online, where the game starts. All right, segment two, still Andy Patton, still Locked On Zags. I want to thank all of you for making Locked On Zags your first listen of the day. For your second listen today, check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast. From the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports, Go beyond the scoreboard and beyond the scenes with local experts and insights only Locked On can provide. Locked On Sports Today, available on this app, YouTube, and wherever you get podcasts. All right, Connor, I want to talk about the new Zags. Of course, everybody's excited to hear how Malachi Smith looked, how Efton Reed looked, first time playing in a Gonzaga uniform against somebody other than their own teammates. Uh, we, we talked a little bit about each of these guys in the first segment. I wanted to start with Malachi Smith. Uh, for starters... He was not a starter. He came off the bench in this game. There was some kind of 
uncertainty about what the starting lineup was going to look like. We had heard just before the game that Mark Few was planning to use Julian Strother in that small ball four role, something that has kind of been the ex- expectation all season long. That made us think that he was going to start at the four. He did not start at the four. Anton Watson started at the four. Malachi Smith was one of the guards who came off the bench. Were you surprised to see Watson in the starting lineup instead of Smith, or did you kind of expect to see something like that in this game? I was expecting to see Watson or Salas in the starting mm-hmm. lineup over Smith. Um, mm-hmm. And not because I don't think Smith was, is one of the five best players for Gonzaga. Mm-hmm. I think part of it is, is that Gonzaga has really, and we saw it three playmakers on this team. They have, mm-hmm. they have three guys who you you can expect to put the ball in their hands and they'll make plays. Yeah. Nolan Hickman, mm-hmm. uh, Roger Bolton and Malachi Smith. Yeah. And to start all three of them, mm-hmm. I think they'll, they're all in the closing lineup. Yeah. If, if Gonzaga is in a close game, but to start all three of them and put your bench in a position where you have Salas, who's a great player, but mm-hmm. more of a straight line runner, not really a, not really a high level playmaker right now. Yeah. Efton Reed obviously is a five, not, not mm-hmm. a huge playmaker for others. Mm-hmm. Dom Harris is coming back from his injury. Yeah. Puts you in a spot where you're not pulling anybody off the bench. That's going to be able to run an offense. Um, mm-hmm. And we saw, you know, in the past, right. Admon Gilder came off the bench. Yeah. Uh, Gino Crandall came off the bench. Mm-hmm. Like these players that maybe aren't even, maybe aren't the playmakers that Malachi Smith is um, even, but they mm-hmm. came off the bench and were able to, to kind of light a fire in that second yeah. unit in a way that I don't think the other pieces are outside of Hickman, uh, Strother, mm-hmm. Bolton, Timmy mm-hmm. are able to do. Like Malachi Smith coming off the bench, I think is better for him in terms of both playing time, but also the role and his ability to score. You put mm-hmm. him in that starting lineup, he's what? The fifth option, probably. Right. Um, you pull him off the bench and all of a sudden he could have a season like Rui Hachimura yeah. in his sophomore year where he's just he's just scoring a ton of points off the bench and could be second or third on the team in scoring because he doesn't have to compete with these other playmakers and these other scorers. So mm-hmm. I liked that off the bench. And it also gives the op- the ability for Gonzaga to, to defend a little bit better inside. I know yeah. Timmy Timmy's working on his defense, but mm-hmm. Watson's a much better defender. Yeah. Um, and, and you put him in that kind of, I don't even want to say chat role, but, but mm-hmm. that four on offense, five on defense type of role, I think yeah. is a lot better than having, three small guards Strother mm-hmm. at the four and Timmy at the five as a starting lineup. And you rotate right. them in and out, obviously. But um, I was confused why people thought that because Mark few said that Strother was, you know, going to play that Corey Kispert role mm-hmm. that he was going to start in that role right. rather than like what we saw in 2020, 2021, where right. Watson started the year mm-hmm. and it just got to the point where you had to start Nemhard. Yeah. Uh, we might get to that point. Malachi Smith might be the starter by the end of the season, but I think mm-hmm. you want to start with a tradition, more traditional lineup and see mm-hmm. where that gets you and then make the decision to go a little bit smaller if you need to. What did you think about Malachi Smith's performance in this game specifically? Obviously, it's a very, you know, it's a small sample size. It's one game. Uh, just looking at the box score, five points, four boards, only attempted one three. Uh, we know, obviously, that was a huge part of his game at Chattanooga. Uh, he's clearly adjusting from being a extraordinarily high usage guard, uh, the one of the most high usage guards in the entire country at Chattanooga. And now he's going to be in a significantly smaller role. We've seen a lot of Gonzaga guards have tremendous success in terms of upping their efficiency when they kind of come over from 
you know, North Texas, like Ryan Woolridge did, or even Bolton, who, who came from high level programs, but was in a situation at Iowa State where he was in a, a huge high usage role and then came to a much smaller role at Gonzaga and thrived. Do you see something similar happening with Malachi Smith and did the game against Tennessee kind of change or alter your opinion on that at all? I don't think it altered my opinion. I still mm-hmm. think he's probably a top five scorer on this team. Yeah. Uh, probably five. And I think that's what we expected when he, mm-hmm. when he first joined the team. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked that he didn't push it too much. Right. Mm-hmm. He, he, he took what was given to him. I think he went two mm-hmm. or four from the field, just yep. missed his only three. Mm-hmm. Um, didn't turn the ball over at all. Got the assist, got an offensive board as one of his four, four yep. rebounds, got a block and a steal. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he showed the willingness to play defense. He showed the ability to take the points that were given to him and the willingness to not be that guy yep. and be able to fit into the rotation. And I think given what you want Hunter Salas to be, yeah. given what you want Nolan Hickman to be, like Malachi Smith is just going to have to fight for minutes, which mm-hmm. is fine. Um, he's on a much better team that has a chance of going the distance, right? So mm-hmm. it's that give and take. Uh I think fans might be a little bit surprised by the lack of minutes. He was yeah. sixth on the team in minutes, but um, I mean, Salas is talented. Salas, yeah. Salas is damn talented. So like mm-hmm. you, you almost can't contain Salas. Like you can't push him down in the rotation mm-hmm. just because you have Malachi Smith. Like mm-hmm. Gonzaga's ceiling is where Salas is the better player. Yeah. So if yeah. you're trying to coach to their ceiling, you put place Alice where it's especially since you know what Malachi Smith can do. You want to see mm-hmm. Salas in those situations against Tennessee more mm-hmm. so than Malachi Smith, who's been in those situations against a bunch of top teams. Right. With no disrespect to Malachi Smith whatsoever. If he's one of Gonzaga's better guards, if he's distinctly better than the two sophomore guards this year, that's probably not, not necessarily good thing. Good news for the Zags, uh, just because we kind of know, like you said, what Smith is, and we want those two guys to, to reach that level where they're, you know, in the conversation as first round picks. And they, in order to get that, they need to be higher on the depth chart. Right. I wanted to talk about Efton Reed. Now we talked about him a a little bit already and kind of his impact defensively, but I I loved, I loved what we saw from Efton Reed in this game. I thought he looked fantastic. I think if there is a takeaway for fans who, who either did or did not watch this game uh, on Friday, I think Efton Reed, I mean, just box score glancing again, eight points, three of three shooting two for two from the free throw line, which is not normally noteworthy, but he was a really terrible free throw shooter at LSU. So I don't think it's, it's certainly not a bad thing that he knocked them both down in this game. Uh, five boards, this is eight and five in 14 minutes for Efton Reed against obviously a team he's familiar with uh, in Tennessee, but uh, against a good physical team for him to play that well, uh, be really physical down low. We saw him, you know, alter some shots defensively. Like you said, we saw him be aggressive offensively. I thought this was a really nice performance from him and made me even more encouraged about what he could bring to this team. Exactly. I mean, it, it's, you're looking at players and when they don't push it, right. Mm-hmm. Because the players who are the stars, Strother, Timmy, uh, Dalton, mm-hmm. even Hickman, mm-hmm. like if they start to push it, mm-hmm. like it's usually because they feel like they have to, mm-hmm. um, when a, when a bench player starts to push it, it's probably because they just want more run or they yeah. want more points. Mm-hmm. Reed took three shots, made all three mm-hmm. plus the, the two of three from the line, mm-hmm. got two offensive boards, Uh, Didn't record a block, but he altered quite a few shots. Um, You want to see that foul number come down. But again, these players were trying to be physical. They were trying Mm -hmm. to find themselves. There was no foul out, so they didn't have to worry about that. So I'm not too worried. Um, He showed that he could fit in on both ends of the floor, which Mm -hmm. is what you want. And and 
in a game where as good, it's funny because Anton Watson had seven offensive boards, but yeah. I think missed like five putbacks yes. um, in a game where Anton Watson missed five putbacks or something like mm-hmm. that. The mm-hmm. fact that Efton Reed could like pull the ball down and yeah. score, like yeah. that's good. And, mm-hmm. and you just like to see it. And when mm-hmm. he's your third big in the rotation, like mm-hmm. going three of three with five rebounds is, I mean, that's what you need. Mm-hmm. I think too, with Efton Reed, like, it's nice to have, uh, he's seven feet, he's 240 pounds, he's massive. I mean, he looks huge when you when you watch him on the court, and he plays like it. He plays like a really big dude, and I think, you know, some of the tape from LSU showed him spending a lot of time away from the rim, and some of that was coaching and, and decisions by Will Wade and having Tari Eason kind of play, play more of a, a low-post role defensively, at least. But, like, Reed looks like a guy who's entrenched down low. He can play down around the rim on both both sides of the floor. And he just looked comfortable in that role. And I think for me, like, I didn't have any reason to think that he wouldn't be necessarily, but it's nice to just see it and to see him in that role against a team that, again, is physical, is tough. Yes, the lack of anybody fouling out allowed both sides to be more physical than they would be otherwise. Uh, but Efton took advantage of that and looked fantastic. I think he's going to have a really nice role this year. It was, it was really good to see that. Yeah, and especially when... The one thing I would point to as like, this isn't going to happen that mm-hmm. often is you saw a lot of Anton Watson and Drew Timmy away from the basket on offense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think that it's good to put them in those situations mm-hmm. uh, in an exhibition because you want to see whether or not you're comfortable with them expanding their role. Uh-huh. Um, I think we saw Anton Watson hit a three. Mm-hmm. Um, Drew Timmy looked really good at times mm-hmm. driving to the basket. Look, mm-hmm. eh, other times driving to the basket. Um <laughs> They're probably going to spend most of their time in the low post Mm -hmm. along with Efton Reed. So -hmm. it's going to look a little bit different, but just having him be Mm -hmm. able to take that low post role and be the primary low post scorer in a lineup Mm -hmm. is good to see. Wanted to pivot and talk about the two sophomore guards again. We've already touched on both of them a little bit and particularly their ceiling and how important that is for the Zags. There was a bit of a mixed bag in this game for, for these two guys. Uh, frankly, Hunter Salas didn't look great. Two points, one rebound. That was in 17 minutes. Uh, 0 for 3 from deep. We know the outside shooting hasn't really been a part of his game up to this point. Clearly, it's an area that if there is growth there is going to be sig- very significant for for the Zags, but also for him individually as a draft prospect. Uh, similar with Hickman, he was a better shooter last year, but also went 0 for 3 in this game. These two guys combined to shoot 4 for 13 from the field. Uh, I thought Hickman had a, a solid game, 9 points, 4 assists. He, he looked fine. The shots weren't really falling, but these two guys are a huge part of Gonzaga's team this year. There's absolutely no doubt about that. And in this game, it's fair to say they didn't look great. Is that something that you're concerned about heading into the season? No, um, <laughs> it's tough because like Hickman, I actually liked what I saw, right? He, yeah. he didn't make mm-hmm. the shots, but he had a couple of open shots. He just missed. Mm-hmm. Uh, he showed the willingness to pass, yeah. willingness to play. Both of them show the willingness to play defense. Um, with Salas, it, it was weird because I felt like he was trying to get his more mm-hmm. than anyone else on the floor. Yeah. Um, obviously he didn't like, we're going to look at the, the two guys that went three of 10 from the, the field in, in mm-hmm. Strother and Watson and be like, yeah. well, Salas only shot six, six times, but right. there was one, there was one play where Salas had, it was like a three on two mm-hmm. down the middle of the floor. You had Julian Strother on the, on the, the 
weak side. So, yep. so you had one defender, I think, on Malachi Smith or, or Roger Bolton on one side, a defender on Salas and a defender or no defender on, on Straw there. Mm-hmm. And you would have liked to see Salas pass out of that. Yep. Um, but he went into both defenders and missed. And then mm-hmm. Tennessee got the rebound. Um, and, and it was and it was kind of a dud breakaway at that yep. point. You'd like to see him learn to pass out of that. And I'm sure that's something that Mark Few is going to talk to him about. Like, sure. pass up the good shot for the great shot. Mm-hmm. Um, Hickman, I mean, it's, it's going to be a work in progress for both of them, right? Sure. Gonzaga's not going to be at its March form in November like it has been the past two years, really. Um, mm-hmm. You're going to see some losses. You're going to see some dumb plays. You're going to see some bad shots. Um, that's just all part of the learning process. And you, you want those to happen in, in October. Um, you want those to happen in November rather than February, March. So I'm not too worried yet. Um, I think I'd start to get worried if we get into December mm-hmm. and they still don't look like the guards that we need them to look like. That's a perfect segue into kind of the last topics that I wanted to talk about with you, Connor. We, we know this that except for but also, it's Halloween. It is. It is still October as most people are listening to this. The actual season is about a week away from starting when the Zags tip off against North Florida. They still got another exhibition game before that. Every team has stuff to work on. You look around, and and I'm pinpointing other results of these scrimmage games as a way to make Gonzaga fans feel better is not necessarily a, an exercise that there's you're lacking a lot of context when you do that. But like Arkansas got smacked. By Texas, they lost by 30. Now, Arkansas relies a ton on freshmen, so it's a little less surprising that they would struggle. Duke lost to Houston. That's maybe a result you'd expect regardless because Houston is very good, but Duke shot two of 17 for three. We just saw Louisville lose a really bad game. Syracuse has done it. Like Those are not teams on the level of Gonzaga, but the point is, it's October every team is rusty. And that's just kind of how this process works, especially with transfer portal, allowing for most teams to have more roster turnover than they've had in the past. Uh, I guess the main question is how seriously do we take a result like this? Even if we we're kind of operating under the assumption that Gonzaga was playing fairly close to their normal rotation. You know, they didn't play Caden Perry 30 minutes or anything like that. Like they played the guys they're going to play, but how seriously do you take a result like this? Especially when you consider that, Gonzaga does got some pretty good games on their schedule coming up pretty quickly. I think you take, I think you take it seriously from the perspective of what did we see? What worked? What didn't? Mm-hmm. Um, who looks like they're ready? Who's not? Yep. Um, I think you take it seriously more so at the beginning of these games than towards the end. Uh-huh. Right. Cause like the first half was mm-hmm. a really good game. Yeah. Gonzaga, still looked like they were doing some things that they won't normally do. Timmy mm-hmm. away from the basket again, stuff like that. Still mm-hmm. up by four. Uh, I don't know the exact number, but Timmy didn't play many minutes. Like the, Tennessee went on their run in the, the beginning of the second half. And then Timmy mm-hmm. kind of got pulled and sat. That was it, yeah. <laughs> um, and so that's when you start to look at them. Like that's them looking at what do we have? Mm-hmm. Um, and again, it's a Gonzaga team that while they don't have any freshmen, yeah. They have a lot of new people stepping into new roles. Yeah. Tennessee has what two guys stepping into new roles mm-hmm. plus a freshman. Right. But like Zakai Ziegler is picking up, you know, more of the point guard role mm-hmm. where he was kind of the backup point to to Kennedy uh Chandler last yeah, year. Chandler. Um but Vescovy was there starting to mm-hmm. uh they were missing Josiah Jordan James, and I get people are gonna point to that, but like yeah, Julian Phillips is 
probably more talented, <laughs> really good than, than, than James. So, mm-hmm. um, but, but you have like, they lost Fulkerson, but Fulkerson started losing minutes and starting position later in the year last year too. So like, I, I like Tennessee's roster. I think teams like Tennessee, Houston, Texas, even, even though they're adding a new point guard mm-hmm. um, are in positions where they're going to look really good right away because they yeah. have the experience. They, they have for the most part, the rotation that they had last year with some changes to the teams. Mm-hmm. But again, like teams like Gonzaga, where they're adding in a lot of, they're adding a couple new pieces, but also bringing a lot of pieces up into new roles. Mm-hmm. Duke. That's really freshman heavy Arkansas. That's yeah. really freshman and yep. transfer heavy. They're going to start to look better as the season goes on. Sure. I think by the time you get to the Kentucky game, you'd mm-hmm. hope that you see a Gonzaga that's full go. Right. Yep. I don't know what the reaction would be if they lost to Michigan state mm-hmm. early on in the season. I think yeah. it depends on how they lost. Yeah. Um, but I think if they start to look out of place against teams like Kentucky and yeah. Baylor and a potential game with like a Duke or a Florida in the, in the film night invitational, yeah. that's when you start to be like, okay, are they maybe not a, a top five team? Maybe they're closer to a top 10 to 15 team. Sure. Yeah. But this early in the season, like, they can struggle and it's really easy. And I think rightfully so to just point to they're still getting used to their new roles. Yep. I think too, like with, with Tennessee, like, yeah, they're the, the kind of team that's going to look good in something like this because they have more experience and, and whatever, but also they're a really good basketball team. Like there's a really, really good team. They might be underranked at 11. Uh, Tyreek Key coming off the bench. I think he had like 25 in this game as a grad transfer. Like th- this is a, a really, really solid team that Rick Barnes has. And, and while the Zags are absolutely going to get better, this Tennessee team, they may not shoot as ridiculously lights out all the time. Uh, in the regular season, but there's a chance they get better too. And this is going to, I mean, this isn't the kind, it's important for Gonzaga fans to remember and people who who saw this result to remember that these are probably two teams that are very, very close to equal, uh, all things considered. And Tennessee had a phenomenal second half, but they're a really, really good basketball team. And the Zags, they're going to play a lot of really good basketball teams. I mean, we're talking Michigan State's in, in 12 days as when most people are listening to this. Michigan State, probably not as good of a team as Tennessee. That would be uh, surprising for Tom Izzo's squad to, to reach that level. But uh, that's going to be an interesting game. Texas less than a week after that. You know, the, the Zags got a lot of work that they need to do. You kind of mentioned the Kentucky game or the PK-85 as a good barometer for what they need to be like at that point for us to start really wondering about what this team's future is going to look like. But what are some things that I really need to happen between now and November 11th veterans day, when the Zags take on the Spartans, like what are the things that, that this team can improve on right away that are going to help them maybe avoid some of those early season losses that are going to send the fan base into a bit of a panic. Um, I think, I mean, defense is one, just communication on defense. Like they don't even need to necessarily run anything different, just communicate Mm -hmm. better on defense. Yeah. Uh, I think we need to see Hickman specifically. Yeah. Um, be just a little bit more consistent. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then those, those, the big three, yeah. they just need a, they just need to play like they're capable of playing. Right. Mm-hmm. Bolton was one of the most consistent shooters in the yeah. country last year needs to be that drew Timmy, one of the best, if not the best offensive bigs in the country mm-hmm. needs to be that yeah. Strother has shown that he can be an elite basketball player. Mm-hmm. He needs to be that on a yep. game to game basis and Absolutely. not just in stretches. 
Um, but I think if those three are playing at a final four caliber level, mm-hmm. a lot of these early games, even if they're losses, will look competitive and will look promising, yeah. especially if you're seeing the struggles coming from the newcomers, mm-hmm. coming from the, the sophomores, where you can start to expect those improvements to happen. But yeah, I mean, Tennessee, like they're, listen, Tennessee <laughs> is one of the most inconsistent teams in the country. Last True. year, I think they yeah. were bottom 50 by Haslametrics. They've never, yeah. they haven't been in the top 150 in three years. Their highs are really high. Yeah. Their lows offensively are really low. Yeah. Um, and I think we saw one of their highs yesterday. Like, I think yeah. everyone came out to play, mm-hmm. but I think Tennessee was just more ready, a more cohesive unit. Um, looked like a team with a bunch of players that had played significant minutes together. Yeah. And, and that's just the way it is. Like, I mean, if we're talking about big losses that, Mm -hmm. you know, don't signify anything, Kansas lost to Kentucky by like a massive amount at home last year Mm -hmm. and went on to win the national championship. So (laughs) I'm not going to take any sort of, anything out of an exhibition in terms of how the Zags are going to look as the season progresses, because if you can lose in, I think it was a, I think it was an early February game. It might've been late Mm -hmm. January. Mm -hmm. Um, If you can lose that home game to Mm -hmm. a team that's probably at the same level last year as Tennessee is this year. Yeah. um, Then I think Gonzaga is going to be just fine. Uh, They just need to, to find their footing. All right, Connor, last question for you before I let you go. Kind of wanted to talk about these exhibition games just as a whole in general. Uh, Certainly the pay-per-view aspect of this game was was polarizing. Some people were upset at the idea of having to pay uh, a fair amount of money for an exhibition game. Obviously, the money was uh, for a charity for the McClendon Foundation, which was, I thought, very, very nice. But again, I can understand that concern. But we are seeing more teams wanting to do this, wanting to play. I mean, obviously we talked about Duke and Houston and Arkansas and Texas. Like there's a lot of teams that are out there playing really good opponents in this exhibition season. Uh, We're seeing it more often be televised or at least see the results come out a little bit more. Uh, I'm curious kind of what you think about that. If you think it's something we're going to see more of going forward, Uh, if you know something Gonzaga and Tennessee, are they kind of on the forefront of something that's going to continue to happen or are situations like this where Gonzaga, you know, a lot of people, kind of got frustrated or upset because they didn't look all that good. And, and for Mark few, like I, he did not want to go out there and lose by 19 points on TV. Like I have, a, I know for a fact, that's not what he wanted or what anybody on the team wanted. So I'm kind of curious if you think these will become more accessible to the public or if fear of not looking very good is going to keep these things more closed door going forward. I think first off, the fact that you saw Mark View and Rick Barnes both take interviews during timeouts Mm -hmm. signifies how much they actually like took out of this game in terms of, oh, we're bad or, oh, we're good. Like Mark View doesn't even do (laughs) halftime interviews in tight big games, right? He's not going to do a a mid timeout interview um, or even a mid play interview uh, uh, in a normal game. So, Mm -hmm. so like, that I think I think fans might be taking it a little bit more seriously. I mean, Mark Few takes it seriously, but sure. like a little bit more seriously in terms of like the sky is falling yeah. than Mark Few is. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's good. Like mm-hmm. I think I tweeted out the other day because Eli, um, mm-hmm. who's the owner of Heat Check, yeah, put something out about the lack of like marquee matchups in the first week of the season this year, and they mm-hmm. think there's one top twenty-five matchup or something like that in the first yeah. week. Um, and I think what this does 
Mm -hmm. these ability to have these scrimmages and granted secret scrimmages were always happening but the ability to have these scrimmages that like people look forward to the results of and stuff like that is Mm -hmm. it does the same thing as having an early marquee matchup without the negative effects of having an early marquee matchup and i actually think it's good for these top teams to Mm -hmm. uh have easier schedules towards the beginning of the year. Like mm-hmm. it's not as good for the fans because you don't get those early big matchups, but it's better right. for the teams because they can work out the kinks um, mm-hmm. without it being like, oh, we're facing Duke and working out the kinks. Now we're right. facing, you know, a Kent State and working out the kinks. Right. Kent State's still a solid mid-major team, but they're not a Duke. Right. Um, and so I like these scrimmages because mm-hmm. it is Gonzaga against Tennessee. Yeah. They can experiment more than they would in the regular season. Mm-hmm. They can work out the kinks, but they don't have to risk a loss on their resume yep. to do so. Yep. So I like it. As for the pay-per-view, like I could understand the ups- people being upset mm-hmm. if it wasn't for charity. Mm-hmm. Um, right. I think the only reason it was televised mm-hmm. was because they were doing a pay-per-view for charity. Like If they yep. weren't, it would have just been the same type of game where they played a scrimmage or a an exhibition and then the, the results were posted. Right. Right. So the fact that we got to see it at all, I think was a good thing. And mm-hmm. like, I'm not going to judge people who don't want to pay $10 to watch right. college basketball, but like, mm-hmm. if you're complaining that they're asking mm-hmm. for a donation of $10 <laughs> right. to, to watch the game, uh, mm-hmm. like, I, I don't really, I don't really think that that that's a big, that's as big a deal as, yeah. you know, actually getting these teams on the floor for an exhibition. Yeah. I love that you mentioned the, the Mark few and Rick Barnes talking to, I mean, Rick Barnes, like joking around with Fran Fraschilla during the game. Like, I think that's awesome. And I think that that's a testament to how much these two guys uh, in particular, I mean, love college basketball certainly, and, and love the opportunity to, to do something like this. And yeah, like, Mark's a very serious guy and he wasn't really joking around <laughs> during his, he was, he was still watching the game, but like for him to do that and, and take it seriously and talk about wanting to continue to do stuff like this, I think it's fantastic. I think if Gonzaga could always have two exhibitions, one against a team like Tennessee, one against a team like Warner Pacific, where they get an opportunity to, to certainly do very different things or play, you know, younger guys, big minutes, whatever they're going to end up doing in that game on Wednesday. But I think that's awesome. And I would love to see Gonzaga continue to schedule like that. And it seems like we're, we're, we're maybe on the cusp of seeing more teams do that. Connor, Thank you so much for coming on the show today. I really appreciate you taking the time, helping break down this game. Uh, tons more fantastic Gonzaga basketball coming up in the next couple of weeks. Really hoping to get a chance to talk to you again soon about that. Yep. Thanks for having me. It's, I'm looking forward to the season. I think this team, I came away liking Tennessee more than I mm-hmm. did previously, Yep. but not being worried about Gonzaga. And yep. I think that's important for people to, to come to the conclusion of is that mm-hmm. it's not time to panic yet. Yeah. On Gonzaga. Right. Tennessee's just really good. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine panicking about any college basketball team on Halloween, quite frankly. So I'm happy yeah. to hear that sentiment shared as well. Uh, that's going to be Louisville. For... Maybe yeah, Louisville. Oh, well, fair. Fair. I'll give you that. Or Syracuse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. That's going to do it for me and from Connor today, guys. Thank you so much for giving us a listen. Uh, great week of content coming your way. More player previews coming up. Obviously, we got that exhibition game on Wednesday as well. All that right here on the Locked On Zags podcast, available wherever you get your podcasts and available on YouTube as well. All right. Thank you all for listening and go Zags.